especially at like the middle school level, a lot of what we're doing is just whole group or small sections work. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I'm able with technology to be, hey, record this like one chunk of thing, send it to me, and then I'll immediately respond back. Listen up, educators. Are you looking to take your classroom to the next level? The technological shift in education is happening right now. If you're looking to integrate technology into your classroom, you're in the right place. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. This is Shifting Our Schools, episode 85, and I've titled it Music and Technology in Harmony. I want to welcome you back to Shifting Our Schools. Thank you for tuning in and subscribing to us in your favorite podcast player. If you're loving these conversations over the last few weeks we've had with educators, please stop by and give us some uh, ratings in your favorite podcast player. Leave us a review if you could. It helps for other educators to find us, and we're all about sharing the learning here at Shifting Our School. So we appreciate anywhere that you could leave a review for us. Uh, It just helps the algorithms promote us so that other people can find us. Also, if you are loving these episodes and you would love uh, to reach out, we'd love getting comments from you, our listeners. There's a lot of ways to do that. If you head over to SOS com, uh, SOSpodcast.org, you will see up at the top, there's a place where you can click on comments and you can leave us a comment on our SOS Flipgrid, a great way to be part of the community. You can also leave me a private response if you'd like to over there. You can send me an email if you'd rather do that. Or one of my favorite things is because SOSpodcast.org is a blog, you can actually leave a comment on an individual episode. So if you have a question for one of our guests, or a question for me about a specific episode, a great way to do that is to leave a comment on that episode itself. And I'll make sure if you don't get it to the uh, guests, I'll make sure that I can forward it on to them and hopefully get you a response. We're all about sharing and building communities here at Shifting Our Schools. That's why I love producing these every week for you. This week, I have a great conversation with Nicole, who is a middle school and high school music teacher whose love for music is only rivaled by her love for technology. I love it when I personally get to learn something new about a subject that I don't get to spend a lot of time working with teachers in. Uh, It's a great just learning from me over some of the struggles that music teachers have and some of the great ways that they can use technology and bring that into the music classroom. I think you're also going to learn a lot from Nicole. Uh, She's just, she's got a lot of passion. You're going to hear that for sure come through. And she's going back and getting her master's degree in educational technology at the moment. So she's got this great great combination of music and tech. And I think you're really going to enjoy this one. And with that, on with the show. All right. Welcome back to Shifting Our Schools. Uh, Excited to be here with Nicole, uh, a music teacher, our music teacher in the cohort this year in Enumclaw. Uh, Always have to have our music teacher. We had Dan on earlier, who was the art teacher. and You're the music teacher. We got this nice rounded uh, cohort. So welcome to Shifting Our Schools, Nicole. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. And we'll uh, get started here by just having you uh, introduce yourself and tell your story of how you got into education. Yeah, so uh, my name is Nicole Laborte, and I am in my fourth year of teaching ever. Um, Edenclaw actually ended up being my very first school district that I ever got hired at. Very cool. And um, I currently teach choir and orchestra at the middle school, and then I have the, I'm the lone high school director um, for orchestra up there. Um, but yeah, as far as how I got into education, well, it was actually kind of funny because you know, especially with music, a lot of people go into music education because for some reason or another, they end up like not succeeding in a performance format um, and going that route. Um, but I actually, from a really 
probably my sophomore year of high school, really felt called to kind of go the more leadership and service oriented route of music. Mm, very cool. Um, I had the opportunity, I actually auditioned for what's called the WMEA All-State Honor Groups, uh, which essentially you set, submit a recording and then you get selected to be part of this top, top group with this fancy clinician. And that was kind of like my eye-opening experience to what music could be at a higher level within an education system. Because mm. uh, I went to Kennedy Catholic, which is like a tiny private school, really small. Okay. Um, so that was kind of my first experience of what the highest level of performing was in the field. Okay. And so from there, I kind of found myself really wanting to kind of strive for that level of excellence. And naturally, because of that, I was often the person that was like, hey, let's do this better. How can we do this better? Yeah. And so, <clears throat> of course, I ended up getting put into a lot of re leadership roles, um, kind of leading the sections and taking on more of a mentor kind of position within my ensembles. And then right around, I think it was my junior year when I was taking like three music classes, my teacher's like, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> like, you really love this and you're really passionate about it. And I was really starting to get really um, kind of enamored with this idea of sharing this kind of love that I have for music with others. Yeah. And so and they called me the high school music major because I was taking like a plethora of music classes. My senior <laughs> only had two academic classes <laughs> and everything else wow. was music. Um, and so then I kind of ended up, um, you know, I auditioned for a bunch of places, I applied to a lot of programs. Um, got into Pacific Lutheran University. Cool. Um, and yeah, we had, it, it's a really tough program. Um, we had 60 people start my freshman year. Mm -hmm. By the end, only 14 of us graduated from that wow. music ed class. And then from there, only eight of us are still teaching. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. So music is not, not the easiest route of things. Yeah, um, for sure. But yeah, no, I, I would definitely say that just getting the opportunity to experience it at the highest level and then seeing how you can get your groups to that point mm -hmm. um, and wanting to create just really good art. Like that's always been something that I've really felt innately called to. Very cool. So yeah. how do you structure your classroom then? What does your, what does your, your music classroom look like? What do you, what is your emphasis, I guess? Uh, yeah. Um, I would really definitely say that for us, everything is kind of going towards that final performance. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, performance is really the assessment that we have in in the music classroom um so everything up until that like we start early in the year and it's a lot of everyone just kind of figuring out how to work together right. because a lot of kids will have a background like maybe as a solo singer or as a solo performer just you know taking private lessons yeah um or just singing with a small you know school choir um but it's kind of there's a couple month period of just kind of finding that gelling phase where you're kind of figuring out how to work within a group what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? And how do you contribute to the whole? Right. Um, so a lot of my class is kind of structured at first in the initial stages as kind of like figuring out what your part is within the whole group. What role do you take? Are you more of a leader or are you someone who's just always super prepared? Mm. Um, and then from there, it's a lot of... <laughs> I joke and say, it's a lot of me yelling and saying, you can do better all the time. <laughs> um, I kind of have both a great rap and a bad rap for being brutally honest at times. Yeah, yeah. Um, because, you know, I am the first to tell my kids if they suck and sound bad. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds horrible, but they, um, there's, I'm very honest with them. And in return, they're really honest with me with what their needs are if they're struggling. 
Yeah. Um, so a lot of it is kind of creating that sense of collaboration and that sense of ensemble first. And then while with all with simultaneously essentially checking off all the standard boxes as you go yeah. along. Um, but for us really, our kind of ultimate like end test, I mean, we have a performance adjudication every year in March. Okay. And that's kind of our SBAC equipment um, where, mm. you know, collegiate level instructors and people that are really well recognized in their field come in and essentially hear your group one day and hear what they sound like in that moment and wow. then work with them. So um, a lot of what we do pushes to that. And then the springtime is more just kind of reaffirming that sense of ensemble and collaboration while getting to do the quote unquote fun stuff. Um, the stuff that's more, you know, the pop tunes, the stuff that we can now apply all that good technique to and do a lot better than where we would have started if we had tried to do it. Hmm. So yeah, yeah, it's pretty structured. That's awesome. What, so talk a little bit about um, being in a one-to-one situation then in the math classroom. Um, I think, you know, a lot of math, a lot of music teachers, I think, um, you know, I've even had music teachers say, technology doesn't belong in the ma- in the music oh. classroom, you know? Yikes. Um, I know, I know, but I've had that said to me before. Um, yeah. But maybe talk about what, what does it meant for you? What has it meant for, for your music, your music program? Yeah, well, I, I think it's good to say too that I am getting a master's degree in instructional technology. So I do strongly yeah. believe technology has a role <laughs> in our future. Awesome. Um, I actually have my own personal, like I get so angry at people when they say that technology doesn't belong in a music classroom because I, my pretty much default response is you just don't know how it could be useful for you mm, because you haven't found a way that. to do it yet. Um, I have found it to be life altering when it comes to not only just like the minutia of organizing all of the logistic pieces of being right. able to communicate a lot more effectively to both students and parents, but I'm also able to assess way more one-to-one than I mm. ever had been before. Um, because especially at like the middle school level, a lot of what we're doing is just whole group or small sections work. Okay. Yep. Um, but I'm able with technology to be, hey, record this like one chunk of thing, send it to me, and then I'll immediately respond back um, with this is what you can do to improve or all the fancy rubrics that you can have with like Gubric and all those yeah. add-ons. Like it looks really pretty because I've took the time to set it up. Yeah. Um, I just, I think people are so, because music is so traditionally very specific and very, um, I don't want to say standardized, but very, there's a formula that you follow. I think people get really scared when they try and go away from that formula because it's not what they were ever taught or the way that they were taught. Sure. Um, I actually have asked the question a lot because something that's really popular now is this idea of incorporating media and technology into performance settings. Um, And that's something that I did in the fall. And I've been kind of asking the question of how no one's really taken the research to look at how that affects the audience's perception of what they're seeing Mm. and then how it affects the performer's perception of of how they experience it. Ooh, I like that. So I actually wrote a research proposal on that. Wow. So that's um, because I think technology has or even media has the ability to enhance a performance beyond what it currently is in just its standard classic um i think there's something to be said about adding visual stimuli into something um, that being said i am i do appreciate a traditional performance that's right. just standard music but i right. think but if you ever watch the halftime show at the oh, super yeah. bowl <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> or or even like or even the fact that like many 
huge symphonies are doing these film score contract or concerts oh, where they yeah. have clips of the videos going on um, simultaneously while they're playing music wow. or video games concert. I mean, video games live is like one of the coolest things I think I've ever wanted to experience, but never gotten to. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's, yeah. I think people freak out because they don't want to deal with it because they feel it's more work when it's just a matter of finding how to make it work for you. Hmm. I like that. I like that. Can you give an example of like one thing that you've done uh, with technology in that in that kind of idea, either around the idea of assessment? I know you've used it a lot for that assessment piece, or even in a way that you've brought in that media in a, into your into your classroom. Yeah. Well, as far as assessment goes, uh, I definitely have had. Uh, I actually did this really cool thing where I looked at all of my scores, uh, which is kind of our textbook equivalent in music world. Um, and kind of isolated the main issues that they would naturally fall into from a technical standpoint. Um, and in the beginning of the year, I basically sent them a calendar. This is what you need to record for me from this piece, and then I'm going to give you feedback on it. Um, and so I've been able to identify a lot of technical issues within individuals mm. that I wouldn't normally catch in a large group setting, um, because usually if it sounds good, I'm less likely to fuss with it. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm also able to say like, hey, this is a kid that naturally is not playing with the right part of their bow or they have a tendency to be on the uh, faster side of the sense of bolts. So it's kind of made me more aware of what the strengths are of my individual players versus mm. um, versus like this section as a whole is struggling with just this concept. Yeah. Um, and and are you using, kind of, what are you using for that? Do you use Flipgrid? Do you just have them record the audio? Well, it's actually funny because we, we have Chromebooks in our district, right? right? So I have found that I am super frustrated with, oh my gosh, what is the, the standard one? Screencastify. Oh, I'm yeah. super frustrated with Screencastify because it's really, really laggy and not very useful for what mm. my purposes are. Um, so I've actually been encouraging them more so to just use their phone to record themselves. Awesome. Because honestly, usually it's better technology than what we have. Yeah, so <laughs> true. It's more current. Yeah. Like I actually was considering using my phone to do this whole conversation. Yeah. You know, if I was stuck at school still. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of them use their phones. Um, some of them, or they use like their parents' devices if they have something. Um, yeah. Tablets too. But the problem with Screencastify is just really laggy. So I find yeah, that just yeah. using like a regular videotaping device that is not their Chromebook using an app like third party. Yeah. is a lot more effective. And so that. is it just the audio or do you do a video with them playing? Um, <laughs> what do you do both either? Does it matter? I, it depends on what it is. Um, mm -hmm. I've been doing a lot of with video just because some of the physical things that go wrong with people's playing, um, especially right. on the orchestra side, it's a lot easier for me to see it that way. Uh, they hate doing it. They get really self-conscious and they like, yeah. some of them are like, don't judge me for wearing pajamas. And yeah, like, right. <laughs> They always started with like my bedroom's a mess and I'm a mess, so just expect it to be kind of a mess. <laughs> but um, yeah, well, and for the more like if I'm doing more whole group assessment, I will just do audio only, um, okay. just because it's I have a couple of devices in my room that I just click a button and it just records. Um, and our new facilities that we're getting next year, we actually have built-in microphones in our classroom designed nice. to pick up audio, so I just have to click a button and it records. And record it. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's definitely cool. changed my life a bit. And then do you, uh, do you use Google Classroom for kids to turn in those files or do they just upload them to Drive or? Yeah, I do, use Google Classroom. That? Okay. Um, just yep. because it, it gets really easy to lose things if it's not through some sort of a system. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you get 400,000 files and then copies <laughs> of the same thing over and over again. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that's great. Um, talk a little bit about, um, I guess, you were you were already blogging before we started this. You were like the lone blogger in the group. It was great. It was, yeah. And I was like, everybody's going to set up a blog. You're like, I've already got one. I've been blogging for a long time. Talk about, um, talk about your, your blogging experience. And we'll make sure there's a link to your blog uh, oh, in, the, in the show notes as well. Uh, that's okay. what we do to everybody. So you'll, you're right there with everybody else. Um, but we'll make sure there's a link. But just talk about your experience with blogging. Um, either through this course or just the way, because I know you've also done blogging because you're in your master's degree now. You've used your blog to even reflect on on that learning as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's some. Well, and keep in mind, I'm in the under thirty crowd too for the people <laughs> watching. So you know, I, I'm part of the generation where writing online and kind of just thinking out loud through the internet is kind of just part of how I was. I don't know, raised. It's a cultural thing from yeah, that. You know I like what I mean. That. Yeah. Like I just think back to MySpace where we would just pour out our souls in these <laughs> in these online things and then have everyone judge you the next day when they're like, Oh, you're a mess. <laughs> but like I think blogging blogging is just something that I've always found myself kind of drawn naturally to wanting to write things down in order to process. Yeah. Because I know that sometimes I'm someone that when I get really passionate about something, I have a tendency to either just like randomly start crying and not be able to talk yeah. or it's not very um, concise nor eloquent in comparison mm. to what I could write. Interesting. Um, so I, I kind of started, I've always kind of used writing as a way to kind of communicate and reflect in my practice and in my life. Um, so blogging just is kind of a natural extension of that for me. Okay, um, cool. Yeah, and I think there are times, there are often a lot of times where I will write something and then it'll just sit in my draft pile, not because yeah. it's like weird, like it's not because I don't want to share it. It's more so that it kind of, it, it's a kind of a safety net of like, do I really want to have this conversation with other people or right. is it something that I just want to kind of talk about to, yeah. in my own head and process yeah. through? Um, but the learning hard. happens yeah. in the the learning and the reflection happens in the actual writing, not the actual pressing the publish button, right? We have that talk. We had that talk a lot. The learning happens in the process, not the product. And people all the time, like in almost every every conversation I have with people that are blogging, they're like, "Oh, I've got so many drafts." And I'm like, "That's okay. You still went through the process to reflect and write down and to get your you know to get your ideas down, whether or not you ever make them public." That's totally up to you. You can decide which ideas go public and which don't, you know, but going through the process of writing is the, is the important part. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it was almost very um, cathartic to be able to go through, you know what I mean? To just yeah. have that time. Yeah. Um, and I'm like a chronic insomnia person. So like I'm up at two o'clock and I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm thinking a lot. I'm going to start blogging. So yeah. a lot of my reflections kind of came from that place. I don't want to say like crazy place, but the place <laughs> something is not sitting right or something is yeah. making me uncomfortable. So I want to like try and get through mm, I like that. Um, in an effort instead of just sitting and marinating on all of the thoughts running. Yeah, yeah. Talk a little bit about your master's degree. Cause I think you're the only one in the cohort that is now getting a master's degree and you're doing it online. Yep. Uh, we were talking, we use zoom to record this and you're using zoom with that. How's that been going back to school and doing your master's degree fully online and comparing that to even the blended experience that we went through with this, with this, uh, professional development, uh, cohort, uh, what's just been your experience with that and online learning so far? 
I love online learning yeah. so much. Um, something because you know I'm that typical high cap kid that always wants to read the next chapter, even though the teacher is yelling at them to not. Yeah. <laughs> so you know I'm going through uh, the University of North Texas actually, um, and they have a they have an online master's degree essentially in instructional technology. Um, and there's different pathways you can choose. And I chose the teaching and learning with technology track because it's kind of designed for classroom teachers. Um, <clears throat> what you can go as fast as you want or as slow as you want. Um, the program is essentially designed for you can complete it in 14 months or you can complete it in seven years. It's totally yeah. up to you. Wow. Um, yeah, and I'm kind of going in the nice sweet spot of my, I'm expected to graduate. I started last summer and I'll be done spring of 2020. Okay. That's good. Um, so yeah. it's roughly two classes a, a term. Um, but what I really appreciate about an online format is I literally just have to follow whatever the module tells me to do at my yeah. own time and my own pacing versus having to sit and wait for someone to talk at me and give me the materials. Mm. Um, and I'm a very self-starter kind of learner and if you give me a task and i'll just go like you don't have to sit there and co coax me to do something um and i usually have some idea as to how i want to do it after the instructions are given or presented so yeah. it, it was very refreshing to not have to feel like i was waiting for someone else in the room to do my work which sounds mm. really kind of narcissistic but yeah i really appreciated that it's very self-paced and self-directed so then i could Kind of gauge it based off of oh this week's going to be really busy i'm going to front load it the week before um, the thing that i would say is very strange about it though is because it was all online i there were situations where i never talked to my professors at all yeah um you know i'd get the weekly announcement reminder email saying that hey these things are due or you guys struggled with this concept which you can find on page blah 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 um but there were times where like my like my last class i was taking a statistics class and i am so bad at math and i'm sitting here trying to read this textbook and then be quizzed on it essentially within a week's worth of learning and then i'm sitting here going oh, do i understand i'm not really sure <laughs> this is timing me and i can't resubmit it you can't take it back and there's no other way to show that i've proven my learning other than passing this quiz yeah uh, that was the only i would say big drawback is you were really at times feeling really alone with just you have to figure it out and hope mm. that you figured it out. Yeah. Um, and you wouldn't know until you did the assessment piece. So compare that to the to the cohort blended learning model that we did with this PD. Uh, I loved the being physically in the same room as people. Yeah. Times. Um, yeah. I, it, it made it more human. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it kind of eliminated the sense of like, oh, I literally could just do whatever I want at whatever pace I want feeling. Like I felt yeah. like I was sort of being held accountable because yeah. I knew I would have to talk to people. Yeah. <laughs> people are going to say, so what have you done? <laughs> yeah. Or someone would make a comment about a blog post that you wrote when you were half asleep and you're like, yeah. oh, you actually read that. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it definitely, I definitely appreciated that we were going to be like, I could plan to know, okay, we're going to be at this point physically face-to-face yeah. -face. Yeah, um, cool. it felt more impactful for me because I didn't feel like I was just talking with some random person across the continent it sure. was actually a real group of people doing the same thing that you're going to meet face-to-face -face, so there's that yeah. accountability issue instead too. of like this very because we always have every class without fail starts with a here's a discussion board where you're all going to introduce yourselves yeah and it's the same canned conversation 
Uh, yeah. yeah. It just, oh yeah, I see you. You've been in through this too. And we've never talked other than that one time you peer reviewed me, but they never submitted it. So I'm still kind of mad at you. <laughs> you know? yeah. 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 Where do you see music education going with, um, with just the influx for, for better or for worse, the influx that we're seeing of digital media, you know, like I think, I think about now, you know, there's, there's hardly, hardly a singer that you hear on the radio that's not being auto-tuned and every Disney movie is, you know, most, most of the music is synthesized behind the backgrounds. Very few are using live orders. Some still are. There's still, you know, some that do. Where, where do you see that filtering down as far as preparing kids for the music industry uh, of the future is is do you, is the overlap in the music classroom? Do you think that stuff's going to come out through uh, more of a, a digital classroom or a technology lens? I'm just always interested to see where do you feel like that's that's gonna that's gonna trickle down and what impact might that have on you or or the music? Yeah, um, I think it's that's a really loaded question because you know there's a certain part of me that says. The one-to-one teaching aspect, the things I can say as a human being from what yeah. I identify in a student as far as their technique and struggles pedagogically, yeah. Yeah. there are certain elements of that that cannot be created with technology mm. um, because because it's such a subjective feel. And I, of course, you then think of the Jeopardy robot, right? That, right, yeah. Yeah. So that would be really scary if they make a robot that can teach you how to sing, but <laughs> which is in some ways karaoke in a lot of ways. Yeah, but, right. <laughs> uh, but the idea that because it's a subjective field, mm. I don't think you can truly eliminate that human part of it Ooh, like uh, because there's always going to be someone that says you sound like garbage, Yeah. but in the same breath, the person next to them might think you sound amazing. Yeah. I mean, a great example is anytime we go to a festival, there's always a couple groups that I'm like, Ooh, what are you doing? Like, that's yeah. real bad. Yeah. Uh, but then you look at their ratings and there's two people that said they did okay. And then there's one person that had the agreement with me that was like, yeah, yeah that was really, really bad. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it, it, or even like I've taken kids, like my own ratings at times, there's been groups where they've, two group people thought they got a superior or like the best rating you possibly could get. Yeah. The other person barely had the meeting standards. Mm. So, you know, we can have all these rubrics and all this language that says you're checking these boxes, but yeah. at the end of the day, what that box is, is subjective. Yeah. There's no right or wrong answer to get. to. That. Mm. I like that. And you just made me think that my wife and I watch uh, one of the TV shows, the singing competitions on television. And there are times where we're both sitting here going like, Ooh, that person doesn't sound good. And then the judges are like, you're amazing. We're like, what are they hearing? that We're not, you know, but you're right. It is like every once in a while, you're just like, really, really? You thought that person was that good. And it is very subjective. Yeah. I think of, okay. Case of, this is me going to go on a mini rant, but Jackie Blanco (laughs) for on America's Got Talent a couple of years back, she won the thing yeah. and from a, it, she actually lit up Facebook and the American Choral Directors Associates page. <laughs> everyone was going on this like extended tangent rant about how bad it was for her to be an example of good quality singing for that age group. Um, and of course me, I'm like, well, but she won. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can't deny that she won. So something must've appealed to America. Yeah. But you know, from a vocal health perspective, you, there's a whole laundry list of reasons why what she was doing was really not okay. Especially when everyone then tries to emulate her. Right. Like if I had a dollar, anytime someone said, I want to sound like that one person from Glee, 
I just look at them like, you have no idea what you're doing. And you have yeah. no idea why that's bad for you at the age you're at. Yeah. I mean, Adele, Adele, like people emulate her all the time, but her vocal health is tragic. She has nodules all the time and is had yeah. to have surgery to repair them. And it's because she's singing in such a way that for her, like now she's figured out how it works. So she doesn't have issues. But when you have like a young teenager trying to create the same sound, not only is it in the wrong range for where the voice naturally wants to fit, yeah. it's, it's going to be a hot mess and it's going to sound bad and they're going to be uncomfortable the whole time they try and do it. Yeah. <sighs> That's a good point. That's a good point. It Ranch. reminds me, you know, well, <laughs> but it, it reminds me, you know, there are certain things you do it at certain ages and your body has to mature into that. I just think, you know, when I was playing baseball, uh, my dad wouldn't let me throw a curveball for the same reason because your elbow, my your elbow can't can't take it. And you know, when you're young, you're 10, 11, 12 years old, you start to learn a curveball. Most people end up with uh, elbow injuries before they ever get through high school or into college because your body's just not ready yet, right? Like it's not oh, that you yeah. can't do it; it's just that there are certain that you learn. Yeah, you learn yeah. to do things at, at certain ages for your body. Right. Well, and it's like people like a lot of kids actually start choir experience or vocal singing experience either singing pop tunes that they've heard on the radio yeah, or um, a lot of them actually will do like some sort of theater production, um, a lot of community theater groups or some sort of play experience, which is not bad. Like I think it's awesome for theater to be a thing. Yeah. But when you look at the actual pedagogical, like the pedagogy of what's demanded on the voice for those kinds of things, it's completely opposite of what they should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard. It's a hard thing because, you know, they come in wanting, to sing Moana. And to be fair, I'm programming Moana in the spring for my sixth graders. So I am both, <laughs> I am both a hypocrite and not. <laughs> yes, of course. You know, it's, it's so hard to not want to give them what they want to get right. their um, engagement, but then at the same time, navigate through the pedagogically, this is the worst thing I could do for you to have you find success long term. Yeah. And trying to explain that to a sixth grader is nearly impossible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that, cool. that instant gratification of wanting to sing whatever yeah. song's cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, at the time. This one made Glee so popular, right? Oh. <laughs> and I hate to say it, but I was in the age group where Glee was a thing. Yeah. And the amount of kids we had coming into choir because of that. And like, oh, well, I want to do this, blah, 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 blah. And then the publishers were releasing all this material that was from the show and no one could sing it because it was a bunch of demands that you can't do without like all of the auto-tune stuff and all the editing yeah. that they had, you know, in studio. Yeah. So we're sitting there trying to recreate this experience and it's just a train wreck <laughs> and all of us get really grumpy because none of us want to do it because it sounds bad. And then the yeah. director's like, I told you so because she was <laughs> telling us the whole time that we were crazy. Oh, yeah. So cool. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Nicole. Thank you for taking time out of your day to, to talk music education with us. Yeah. Uh, and uh, a little bit, me. yeah. And a little bit about your, um, your own online experience through, through your, your, um, master's degree congratulations on that good luck on that you. Uh, yeah. as you as you wrap that up and i'm glad you're going into instructional technology i think that's a fantastic fantastic pairing we need more you know music and arts industries to to have that background i just think that is so great so thank you for taking time appreciate it thank you <laughs> thanks so much for listening to this episode of shifting our schools with your host jeff udick for more great content and to stay up to date visit sospodcast.org facebook.com slash jeff udick and on twitter at Udick. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on Shifting Our Schools.